There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who doesn't need a hair transplant because he has enough <laughs> hair to make uh, a very uh, nice wig. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that point, you know. It's long, but it's thin. I essentially, I've accidentally landed in a comb-over of, like, a non-deliberate creation, Um <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll come back to this another time. Was, I didn't mean to raise a sensitive subject. Later, so I'm, re- I'm very sorry. Look, as, a ma- as a man who is who is rapidly losing his hair himself, I feel we're terribly guilty now. That, was, that wasn't what I intended. I'm, I'm, at I'm at peace. I'm at peace. My, my girlfriend's more upset about the idea of me cutting my hair, all my hair off and, than, than I am. But yeah, anyway, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll do absolutely this. Absolutely the same here. Yeah. I, I would shave my head tomorrow, but my girlfriend's adamant that that would be a bad thing to do. Anyway, that's not why we're here. Um, but maybe we, maybe we do need to do a podcast about um, about uh, male pattern baldness. That would be a fascinating discussion. <laughs> but um, we're here right now to talk to an esteemed guest about uh, Antonio Conte and, and his seemingly um, nailed on, I want to say, appointment as a Spurs manager. So we're joined by uh, Nima Tavali Utsari, Italian journalist, Italian football journalist. Uh, we're delighted to have you, Nima. Thank you for joining us. It's good to be with you. I mean, we do. We, we are kind of. I mean, Antonio Conte losing his hair and having a hair transplant does kind. Of, I mean, that's a good segue, actually. Yes. So that you're speaking about male male hair loss and Antonio Conte, because because that's something that, that 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 is true of him um, <laughs> as well. So, yeah, no, no, but yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Thank you for inviting me. So, if you wouldn't mind just sort of telling our listeners um, a little bit about your yourself, your background, and um, how you got into writing about Italian football. Well, sure. Um, I'm start. I started a, a web page called sempreinter.com, sempreinter.com, which uh, was, uh, you know, my goal was to turn it into the uh, into a new site covering Inter Inter Milan 24/7. And from then, then on, your team. I, yeah, that's my team. Yeah, because um, I supported them since I was seven, eight years old, um, and uh, there was nothing out there growing up. Um, when, when, when I, you know, back in the eighties, obviously there was no internet. Uh, so I used to, 
<laughs> I used to buy day-old gazettas from the newsstand with my pocket of weekly allowance, and I used to pretend that I could read Italian and and uh, had this dream that one day I'm going to be at the San Siro. And, and yeah, I, I not only got to do that, I got to do a lot of fun stuff. I got to interview players and Zanetti and all that stuff, which was kind of cool. But it's it was that's how it started. Uh, you know, it was a it was a passion project. It was you know it was basically that, and then it kind of became bigger and bigger and bigger. And I started doing more journalistic work. I, I work for Gianluca Di Marzio doing, uh, you know, English, his his news in English, but also exclusives for him. I did quite a few exclusives for Goal uh, over the years. And then also and also now I do for Football Italia sometimes and uh, Forza Italian Football as well. And then we also have the Italian Football Podcast, which I started with two colleagues. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been doing through the years. Nice. And Bardi is a, a patron of your your podcast. He speaks very highly of it. Bardi, uh, tell Thank us a bit you. about that. I mean, when because um, in England, we lost all access to football in the 90s. So um, like like a lot of people, we, we turned towards uh, Football Italia, Channel 4. And obviously, my dad's Italian. I've spoken many times about that. And it was really like how we bonded watching 90s Serie A. And on Nima's podcast, quite often they they delve back into the 90s. We just before we started recording, we had a great chat about um, Jay Buffroyd's time at Perugia. And I, I still think even today, Serie A remains one of the most interesting uh, leagues in terms of tactics, but also in terms of like the madness that happens off the pitch. So um, it's great that Spurs are possibly getting an Italian manager, which is something I've been waiting for. Um, because we don't get good Italian footballers, so let's get a good Italian manager. So, and, it, and it's great that now I can talk about Italy and not have to feel that I'm just kind of um, segueing it into every single conversation. It's great to embrace <laughs> the old boot. No, no. Right. <laughs> Nima, I'm, in, I'm intrigued, um, first off, just to sort of get a general impression of um, what you think of Antonio Conte. Are you, are you a fan of his? Look, Antonio Conte is, I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm a fan or that I dislike him. I'm fascinated by him because he is a fascinating character. I mean, if I look at him from an objective point of view, from a tactical point of view, I, I, I firmly believe that the man is a tactical genius. He sees the game in ways that no one else does. I'll give you an example. The way he used Leonardo Bonucci at Juventus as a quarterback to use an NFL term, is that we hadn't seen before. And he did it time and time again. These pinpoint passes from deep over the top behind defenses who were, who, who you know, exploiting the space behind the defensive line and the goalkeeper. And he did this time and time and time again at Juve. Then, you know, uh, at Inter, he's done that to the left back. I mean, that's something we saw in his second season, which is truly, I've never seen anyone do that, use that tactic time and time and time again where the left central defender whether it's whether you know that's why he wanted Alexander Kolarov much to my dismay but he you know he he has an idea with everything he does he you know these cross diagonal passes that he makes when teams are not prepared or when teams are un, you know rather the defensive lines are rather high up these cross passes because I mean everyone knows that the lateral shift of the balance of the team when they're non prepared that's a really difficult thing to to defend against and he did that for example he did it with Benevento the, I think second or third game of the season last season Alexander Kolarov played an absolutely stunning pass 60 yards cross diagonal to Ashraf Hakimi who passed to Lukaku who scored the goal and and they were like, oh, that's just by chance. But you see, that's not how Conte worked. Because then Alessandro Bastoni did the very same thing against against Juventus of all teams. Like th- this is what he does. You know, he creates. He sees the game in five D. Honestly, he he is unbelievable when it comes to that. 
I have to I have to say Nima's relationship with Conte has kept me <laughs> on, on tenterhooks for the last 12 months because there I say I know you're an Inter fan and there was points where I'm like he's really going to fall out with with him and when he's driving um, me insane because yeah. he, he's such a that's the thing though that he is he is absolutely amazing I mean I mean when it again tactically his Look, if you know your Conte history, you know that he started playing 4-2-4. That's how, he, that's how he wanted to play. And then he took over at Juventus. And he quickly realized that that's not going to work. With Juve in the Serie A, the, the teams are far too well prepared. So he came up with his 3-5-2. But all throughout his entire career, he's always wanted to move towards 3-5-2 three, five, three, five, in defense, 4-2-4 in transition and attack. That's literally, that's its calcio verticale. Sawing teams apart from one side, from left to right, from right to left. And transitioning to 4-2-4, where the wing-backs become wingers, where the two central defenders become full-backs, and one of the central midfielders drops deep and forms a two-man defense. Like, this is what he did with with, with Inter. Brozovic dropped deep next to De Frey, Skriniar and Bastoni became wing, full-backs, and the winger, wingers, Hakimi and Perisic, became wing-backs. And then he used a big striker. That's another thing that he always likes to do. He likes to have a big, strong number nine, focal point of attack that he sends the first ball long to, who can then play off of, uh, like Lukaku, and then play off of it, play off of Lautaro, who are either, or who plays out to the to, to either side of the wings. And, and just this way, saw yourself from side to side and, and, and ripped defences and teams apart. And it worked. You know, I've, I've followed Inter since 1989. I've watched Inter win loads of titles. But between 89 and now, from February to May of last season, after the defeat against Sampdoria, the football Inter play was the best football that I've seen Inter play in my life. That I, honest to God, it was absolutely perfect. His teams are like marching bands. They, you know, every every instrument is a part of a, a of an orchestra, um, and that's how it is. He, he needs, you know, for him, it's not always important to have the best players. He needs players that give him what he wants in that system. That's why, you know, Matteo Darmian, for example, he won the Scudetto with Ashley Young, for crying out loud, at the <laughs> twilight of his career. I mean, he, he he brought Italy to the quarterfinals of the Euros, playing with Graziano Pelle, Eder, and Giaccherini, for crying out loud. He won three Scudetti. I mean, he took over a Juve that was in complete mess and made them unbeatable for a year and a half and began their 10-9 Scudetto, 9 Serie A title cycle. The guy is, you know, he is an he is a fantastic coach tactically, but then there's the other side, and that is his, you know, his his ability to pick a fight where there is none, you know. But that's something that he has improved. He's not the same guy. I mean, I remember when at you at Juve when <laughs> when he resigned the way he did, and you know this notion, you know, because you know Pepe Marotta is not an idiot and didn't want to pay 15 million euros for Juani Turbe. And Conte started sulking and, and talking about how you can't, you know, the famous you can't eat at a hundred euro restaurant with 10 euros in your pocket. And, and then he resigned quickly after that. And, and the same way he resigned uh, after, in, in Italy uh, after that. And then we all know what happened at Chelsea and his, his, his you know, the, the text messages to Diego Costa and then turning your phone off and then, you know, going to war with Marina Granovskaya and, and basically everyone. I mean, these are these antics. These are the things that drive me insane. And he kind of did that the first season in Inter. I mean, he was barely there for two weeks and he started moaning and complaining that they hadn't signed Romelu Lukaku yet. And then after the Serie A season was over, he was, you know, he was whinging about how he had been helped zero, zero, making, making you know, a gesture with his hand on TV that he, it's not about the players I wanted to be signed, but the club has supported me zero. 
you know, and, 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 you know, he goes off on these rants. But then I have to say last season, which was the most difficult season a uh, year, calendar year in Inter's modern history, if you given all the madness that was going on with between the pandemic that was, you know, for everybody, but also the ownership, the, you know, the, the Suning, the Inter's parent company, their, 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 you know, their permanence, if they were going to stay at the club and or sell or not, that was called into question. And Inter had players gone to COVID, you know, away because of they contracted COVID-19. It was just constant crisis after crisis. And instead of complaining and moaning, what he did instead was that he built uh, this, this unit, this tight-knit group of players who would die for each other and for him. And he absolutely changed that side of it. I mean, you've got to be fair. I mean, yes, there is that side of it when he drives you insane. You know, his, his obsession with Arturo Vidal at 34, he was so finished, it was insane. And, 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 and Alexander, Alexander Kolarov, which was, you know, it was, it was just unnecessary. They hardly played any roles. And I mean, they, they, they didn't win the title because of them. But, but then there's the other side that he does adapt. He does adapt. I mean, I think I always believe that Antonio Conte is at his absolute peak when his back is against the wall and he can't buy players, when he's forced to create and build with what he's got. And that's what happened at Inter last January. He realized, look, no, there, there is no cavalry coming. There is no money. These are the players I have to deal with and I have to make the best of it. And that's when he transformed Christian Eriksen and worked with him and Ivan Perisic. And he got these two players. I mean, remember, these aren't young, impressionable teens. These are established world-class players who'd already won lots of titles. I mean, Perisic just came off the back of a treble. Christian Eriksen was 28 years old. He wasn't a teenager. You know, we, we, you know, he was already an established player in his right. But he got them to not only buy into what uh, to, to, to this to this new system, but he also got them to embrace it wholeheartedly. And when when you when you're able to do that and get everyone involved, every single Inter player felt involved in the group and in the project. And was you know when you do that and you have and you're so solid tactically. And when it comes to playing, I mean, if if you know when it comes to preparing for one match a week. There is no one on earth better than that man because he obsesses. That's why he struggled in Europe, because he's so obsessive and such a perfectionist that, you know, there's not enough time on the day to prepare like that for two matches a week. There just isn't. And that's why he struggled in Europe, I think, because he just can't, you know, even although it should be said he brought Inter to a Europa League final, although that was rather special because, of, you know, because of COVID, that was played like a mini tournament at the end of the season. But when a normal season, he has, you know, he failed uh, to bring Inter through from the group stages. I mean, let's not forget that. That's also part of it. But then when it all worked, when his back was against the wall and he realized him sulking and bottling is not is just going to hurt him and the team. Then he kind of went into another mode and stopped moaning and just completely just worked overtime and turned Inter into a into an incredible machine because Inter just mopped the floor with every single team in the Serie A. They were unbeatable. And that was all him. It's, it's quite interesting what you said about... Um... Conte's change of attitude because we saw last season he had the famous boxing match of Martinez in in the mm. in the training ground after they'd had a fallout on on the pitch, um, and I, <laughs> I guess that does show it, it shows that he's very different, but it does show that he's perhaps learning and has mellowed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, let's remember how that whole thing started. I mean, that was a game after Inter have secured their first Serie A title in eleven years. And he brings Lautaro Martinez on in a meaningless game and then substitutes him right off and barks at him like a rabid dog foaming at the mouth whilst he's walking off, Lautaro walking off, 
telling him, yelling at him to STFU and don't you talk, sit down and shut the F up. And it's just, and he's just, you know, hammering him and he's getting angry and kicking bottles and stuff. And, and everyone is trying to, okay, Lautaro, calm down. And then, you know, Oriali, who is his assistant, who I'm sure will join him at, at Spurs, um, is, you know, goes, <laughs> he's, he's just, he's a man out of the same cloth. He goes up to, to, to Lautaro and tells him to sit down and shut up. And, and, and afterwards, obviously, Javier Zanetti got involved because, you know, he's the vice president. He understands these issues and he didn't want it to get, you know, so, so he used his prestige and he basically, you know, in, got involved, talked to Lautaro, diffused the situation brilliantly and do what they always do in, in, at Inter when there's a conflict. They have a giant barbecue. Um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the Argentinian asado. That, that, that's, that's the Argentinian, you know, remedy for fixing all problems when there's been a conflict that's not really that serious. And they had a giant, you know, they had a massive asado where Lautaro was bar grilling the meat and, and, and they all ate together. And then afterwards they had that mock boxing game. And, and, and they, they kind of made fun of it. But, but that's how he is. He, he is. It's his way or the highway. It doesn't matter if it's Diego Costa, Lautaro, Martinez, who it is. It is his way or the highway. It's so fascinating. And Spurs' players have obviously had a lot of this already under um, Jesse Mourinho, you know, an authoritarian coach who will not accept anything that's not his way. So I do sort of wonder how that transition is going to work. I'm, I'm really I think it's different. That's actually a really good point. But I think it's different with Mourinho because Mourinho, as much as I love him as an Interista, as an Inter fan, I think Mourinho, you know, he's not stuck with the times tactically. And also in terms of man management, Conte has. Conte knows okay. how to deal with these young players. I mean, a lot of the, you know, Mourinho can't, he can't work with young players. He really, this generation. I think more than anything, more than a tactical issue, it's a communication issue. Absolutely. Mourinho's, Mourinho's, Mourinho's strength is his communication. And he can't communicate with the Pogba generation, with the Lampard and the Zanettis and the, you know, Drogba generation, John Terry. There was no problem there. But he can't. He 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 struggles to 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 deal with these young people. Conte does not. Let's remember, Conte is the one who launched Christensen uh, in, in sorry, yeah, Christensen in, in Chelsea launched Pogba at, at Juve, Bastoni at Inter. He has no problem giving young players or communicating mm. with young players mm. if or, or giving them a chance as long as they do what he says. And he's very good at building a dressing room. He's very good at building uh, a unit. I mean, you know, everybody at Inter said he was like a bigger brother to that team. And, and, and he, so, 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 it's, so it's, it's not like Mourinho at all, I think. I think it's wrong to say that because I think Mourinho's ability, both in terms of his ability to communicate, which is second to none when he was at his peak, but also a little bit his tactical astuteness is, is not at, it's, you know, it's gone sour. I mean, he's, 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 you know, it's his, you know, his pass, pass by date is already gone. You know, but with with Conte, that's not the case. He is a winner. He's still very much a, a, a guy whose communication and tactical ability is not past his best at all. So I think you, w- what you're getting with Conte is what you thought you got with Mourinho. I feel I feel like yeah, there's this, I guess, a bit of a worry. Although in some cases it's not a worry. It's like a, there's a glee around it that like several of our players will will just to be completely excommunicated by Conte immediately. And I think to um, so Ericsson joining into last season, 
coming in as a player that Conte didn't want um, and so immediately sort of not being involved but then Conte sort of came round to him and said well actually this is a brilliant player and, and then he became a, a starter and, and was important in the, in the push for the title um, do, do you think that there should be concerned that like several of our players will just be, be alienated or do you think that that is a, a misconception like you're saying with the, with the poor comparison to Mourinho he will give every single one of them a chance there's no doubt about that. I think, you know, when I look at that, I understand a lot of people are surprised and I was a little bit as well because I know that he wants the Man United job. That, that's, that's you know, the, the grandeur of the club, the stature of the club. That's, that's how he sees himself at that level and he wanted that job. Let's not beat around the bush with that. But I think when he realised that that's, that was just not going to happen, when the Tottenham offer came around, he looks, he sees Paratici there who he knows well and can work well with. And then he looks at that squad and goes, hang on a minute, I can do things with that squad. It's very suitable to his football. Um, and I think the signings that he wants will be primarily in midfield. I think players like Frank Kessier, whose contract expires, and he wanted him when he was at Inter, his contract expires and he's not going to extend with Milan. Brozovic is a player who... He loved at Inter, whose contract is also expiring, and he's yet to sign a contract extension. These are players I think he will go for. But, I mean, I look at the wing-backs, they all suit his football. I look at the central defenders, I think Romero is absolutely suited to him. Harry Kane, for sure. I mean, big, strong player. And also, Deli Alli. I think this is, this is a golden chance for him now. He, he can't miss this out. Otherwise, that's his career. Because Antonio Conte, it's not by chance that he was linked to Inter when Conte was there. Because char- in terms of characteristics and traits, just te- tactically, he suits Conte's football to a T. Um, he, he, the, the issue is, will Deli Alli commit himself 110% and, and, and you say, listen to what Conte wants and, and make himself available, as they say in Italy, to, to Conte's directives? If he does, not only will his career be revived, but it'll it'll do every it'll just be brilliant for everybody. Um, I, I think so. So so I don't think there's really that much signings that need to be made. Um, I do think, however, that you know he will talk. He will sit down and talk to Harry Kane and say, "Look, we do you, you're they're not going to sell you in January. I don't want you to leave in January. You know, let let's do something here, and then in the summer we can talk." Because I think that you know, or maybe even convince him that he should stay because. With Antonio Conte, you're talking about a serial winner, and Antonio Conte will win you titles if you know once he if, if the board gives him the players that he wants, or and any wins a dressing room over, which I'm convinced that he will because he used to. Let's remember, Mourinho was never a world class player. Antonio Conte was the captain of that Juve side that won everything. He's he's been an elite player. He knows what it takes, so he speaks to them as a player to player, as as an elite player to elite player level. And I think that's something that that really impresses these guys. You're getting me very excited. My mouth is watering. <laughs> um, so I don't. But I don't we, want to get you too excited either, because it's going to be painful. He's going to drive you crazy. Don't get me wrong. Sure. No. No. <laughs> and I, well, I think we all kind of fully appreciate that he's not the easiest guy to like. But I mean, at this point, we just want to see some good football. Uh, we're desperate. You seem to sort of have a good handle on Spurs' squad, so I'm going to delve a bit deeper on that, if that's okay. Um, where would you see Delhi fitting into a Conte team? Would it be as part of midfield three, or would he be playing up with Kane? That's a really good thing. I I think he I think Conte will play a three four two one, similar to what he did with Chelsea, and uh-huh. I think he'll alternate between the three four two one 
and a 3-5-2. If he plays a 3-5-2, um, Kane, obviously, um, and then Son. Mm-hmm. I think he'll play him, use him similarly as he used Lautaro at Inter. But Son can also play in that 3-4-2-1 position behind mm-hmm. Harry Kane. And that's where the second one, that's where I think Dele Alli will be. Um, if, again, it's all up to Dele Alli, can he commit? Because Conte is the most demanding human being in football. Yeah. He, he, like, it's not an easy task. But at the same time, I look at Dele Alli and I see a guy that who's who had a brilliant start to his career, but it's kind of, he fell off a cliff about 18 months ago. But I, and I think it's a shame because I still think, I'm not one of those who thinks that, oh, the guy's finished, it's over. I think that's ridiculous. He's only 25. What is he, 25? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 25. I mean, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous to say that about a 25-year-old. I think it's, it's a mental issue with him. Uh, it's a mental block with him. And if, well, also, he's a workhorse. So I think that will be appreciated. I mean, oh, his pressing numbers are absolutely off the scale. That's so, the thing. That's yeah. exactly why I think he suits. Look, Conta's, in Conta's, Conta's defence began at Inter. The, defencing, the defense began with Lukaku and Lautaro chasing the life out of the, de- the defenders. Mm-hmm. And then he had a midfield who, who, who pressed accordingly. With Barella, I mean, Brozovic, Barella and Christian Eriksen ran more than anyone. I mean, Barella and Brozovic, we, I mean, in terms of distance covered in the Serie A, them, them two and Kulusevski, were, they were in a league of their own. No one ran as much as them as, as those three players did in the Serie A. Brozovic is just uh, how he can run. The numbers he does per game is just it's it's astounding, and he does it game after game after game after game. And these are, this is what he wants. He wants high pressers. He wants intensity. But above all, and this is where I think Deliali needs to work. He demands that during training. His training sessions. I remember Asamoa. Uh, the, the Ghanaian international, he said once that, you know, we'd, when he was at Juve, they'd won, you know, they won the, the title mid-season pretty much. They won it by a mile, like just quarter, three quarters into the season. And they were all thinking, oh, God, now, we, you know, thank God we can just have a little bit of a breather in, in during training. But he came in there and he ran them even harder than, they, than he did the week before. Like, I mean, this is what he doesn't, there's nothing he despises as much as, uh, you know, players not giving it 110% and complacency. He he cannot stand that. I mean, this famous interview that he gave to Thierry Henry, where he says, um, if a player doesn't doesn't have the right behavior, I, I kill them. He's not yeah. joking. He means that. And I don't mean like literally kill them, but he will hammer them. He'll kill if, their career, potentially. No, he will, he will bully them. He'll, he'll stand on top of them and he will absolutely push them into their shoes. Like you saw, I mean, publicly, when, when he did that to Lautaro. Lautaro, I mean, this is during COVID. You can hear every single word that he's saying. Okay, on the, so we heard what he said to Lautaro. He basically just went on top of him and pummeled him with words. And and he looked. I mean, when when Conte's angry, he looks intimidating. He's, you know, he looks like a like a man possessed. Mm-hmm. But that's because he's a perfectionist. He gives a hundred and ten percent, and he expects nothing less than that back. And that's the biggest difference because if you have that in training, then that also transmits to how you perform on the pitch. Slatan Ibrahimovic is another is a player who's exactly like that. I mean, he trains just like he plays. It's 110%. And that's why the guy, look at him. I mean, he takes care of himself, not just training, off the pitch. He's 40 years old, and, and look at what he's doing. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it, that's that's content. That's the level of professionalism required to win, and he so, knows that. So, if the if the players are going to buy into him, what about there's a, there's another character we haven't mentioned yet, and that's um, Daniel Levy. Could we get to a point where Conte's on the sideline flicking the bird to Daniel Levy like he did um, to Agnelli at Juventus recently? Yeah, there's no doubt that that could happen. 
mean, the man management, the, time, the ability to develop players, the ability to see talent, to build a system and get the best out of every player, to revitalize careers, uh, you know, all that stuff, to raise, the, to elevate the value of players at the club. I mean, all that stuff he does. But then you have the other side when when he's unhappy and he goes into this you know, nuclear meltdown where, where he just f- deep fries everything and everyone around him. Um, and it's, and, and that can be really annoying and frustrating to be, to, to, to have to deal with, especially when, I mean, at Inter, he was literally given everything he wanted. Um, you know, the club broke the transfer record twice in one summer to get him Barella and Lukaku. And still he was upset. You know, he was going, only I know, this, this is a quote, only I know what I had to go through to get Lukaku here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You hear the, you know, that this guy is literally Jesus dying on the cross. You know, it's, 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 the, you know, I'm, I'm such a victim here. Like, but that's, that's how he is. But when he's happy, when he's, when things are working, it, it's, it's paradise. It is. It is paradise. And, and you know, there is no in-between with him. He's very bipolar that way. It's either heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm just a little bit surprised. I'm going to, you know, it's going to be interesting to see when they announce this, if it really is just an 18-month deal. Because that, to me, is, sends all the wrong signals. If it's an 18-month deal with an additional year, an option for an extension, fine. That makes sense. That's two and a half years. That makes perfect sense. But if it's just an 18-month deal without an option, then I don't understand why either party is doing this. Mm. Because then they're both saying, essentially, that they're going into this with, you know, holding their noses. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to end well. That, that, that cannot end well. I mean, could it simply be, like you said earlier, that he's waiting for the United job and Spurs are waiting for Pochettino? So this is kind of an interim measure for both parties. But that, that also sends a completely mm. weird message to the squad. I mean, what, what mm-hmm. kind of a... What kind of a message are you sending? There's no, there's, I mean, what Pochettino and Conte have nothing in common. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes no sense. It really makes no sense to. I, me. I would say they have one thing in common from what you've described so far, and that is the um, the intensity. The, the, you know, the training. When our players trained under Pochettino, um, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe what they were being asked to do, and that's why I've got hope for Delhi because he really bought into it, and he was yeah. one of Pochettino's absolute favourites. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'd like to just quickly, briefly go back to some of the sort of key position because we had we had a discussion we recorded just before this and we had a discussion about um, which players we thought would fit and which wouldn't and and I sort of perhaps naively suggested that I didn't think our wing backs would be a, a great fit and you think you think they they will fit well my point was um and this is purely based on on Conte's Chelsea my point was that neither Regulon or Emerson Royale have the ball carrying abilities of Victor Moses and neither have the ability to to arrive in the box like um, Marcos Alonso did for Chelsea. But have you seen something? Why, why do you think they're such good fits for uh, for Conte's style? Because he wants, he wants marauding players. He wants, he wants players who can cross well. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants players who can overlap and overload. Not maybe not necessarily ball carrying as such, but I mean it, it depends on the system as well because I think they can actually carry the ball. But he will use. I mean that is why he's got his midfield, and that's what you know he will play it high up to Harry Kane, and then play it down to one of his midfielders, and then he'll pass it out to the wing. They're not supposed to be ball carrying in that okay. sense. Okay. So I, so and 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 he wants them to overlap. 
And I can already tell you now that between the 68th and 75th minute of every game, he's going to swip, switch out both of his wingbacks because they're going to be so tired. I mean, that means you can set your watch after it. I mean, that, that's the system. At the, in the 67th, 76th minute latest, both wingbacks come off because they're exhausted because he's run them into the ground. That's so, so, so that, that's, you know, that, so that, you know, and, and, I, and I have no idea, you know, I, Emerson Royal is a young player, but I think he's he's still moldable. He can still mm-hmm. adapt. He can same thing with Reguilón. He will adapt. He's a big player. I mean, he's been at Real Madrid for quite. I mean, he he knows what it what it you know yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the level required. He will have no problem with Conte. Um, I mean, if he can get Victor Mo, I mean, if he can get, I mean, Ashley Young at Inter at that point in his career was was overperforming and scoring goals and assists, and because he he bought into what he wanted him to do. Uh, same with Darmian. Darmian became this kind of like cult hero at Inter uh, because because he you know he, he he gave Conte exactly what he wanted him to do in that role, and I've no I've no doubt that those players can do as well. I mean Romero is going to going to explode now. Um, I think Tanganga is a player who I actually think could you know he's he also likes to play. I mean the the right centre back and the left centre back wouldn't be surprised if he played. Someone, you know, if he start playing players that used to play as fullbacks in those positions, because he well, wants them to be quick. Tanganga and Ben Davis are ideally suited in that case. Exactly. You see, that this is what I think. This is what he wants. He wants movement. He wants pace, and he wants them to be able to be ball players as well to pass the ball and cross. Because he wants to make. He wants to make those diagonal balls, and he will make them. So I would. I think Tanganga is to the right of that back three. Uh, would 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 definitely be something we could see. That's interesting. So we had a discussion about whether Romero would play right, left, or centre because um, he's so aggressive. So it kind of, in some ways, it doesn't make sense for him to play in the centre because he wouldn't be the one sweeping mm. up behind. He's going to be the yeah. one charging out and, and and being the aggressive centre back. So do you think he could fulfil the role of the central centre back in yeah. the Conte side? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he did. It, uh, I mean, at Atalanta, he played centrally uh, and he was outstanding. He struggled a little bit. Uh, let's not forget. I mean, when he came from Genoa to Atalanta last season, he was he was horrible until November. Uh, let's not beat around the bush. He was an absolute liability. But then, Gasperini and Conte are similar in the sense that they want aggressive. You know, they want their players to push up. They want high pressing game. They're very similar that way. And then from 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 November to May, Romero was the best, in my opinion, top three central defenders in the world. He was by far the best central defender in the Serie A, and he was the best, one of the best players in the Copa America in the back four, even uh, playing next to Otamendi, who is, you know, which is just just that in and of itself is you should give that guy an award for having to <laughs> clean up behind Otamendi, who just doesn't know how to defend, and and it's just a liability. Uh, so, so Romero, I think, will be will be very happy, mm-hmm. a big big winner uh, for this. Now, I, I really think that I, I think in January, I honestly think that you're going in for Francesi, Francesi at Milan, because he is everything Milan, everything Conte wants. Um, and, and, and which role would you foresee him playing? Would he be the six or the eight? I think he'd be more of the six, to be honest. But that's the thing. This is this is another thing about Conte that we saw developed, and that's why he was so angry at Marotta for giving giving him Andrea Pirlo at Juventus. He was moaning about that, even though Andrea Pirlo was absolutely brilliant at Juve, because Pirlo can't do what what he wants his three midfielders to do is 
what he got Eriksen, Barella and Brozovic to do. And that is, the three of them have to be able to tackle, they have to be defensively sound, they have to be creative, and they have to be able to move a lot. They have to be very dynamic. So he, he, it's, he doesn't want to have, he doesn't want a midfield to be in the old, like he was back in the old days when Milan had the artist Pirlo and then the water bearer Gattuso and Ambrosini doing the running for him. And that's why he was so pissed off with Pirlo that he got in Pirlo because Pirlo can't run and he can't do all the things that he wants him to do. But, but that's what he wants his midfield. He wants his midfield trio to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, I, that's what Kessie does. Kessie does. Um, so I think Kessie, and, and he will probably go after Brozovic as well. Uh, and, yeah. Do you think he might go after Ericsson, given that Ericsson needs to move um, mm. to, to play nah. again? And, nah. he, you know? No, nah. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Christian Ericsson, um, that situation is, I, look, it's, what happened to him was so tragic. Um, it was so horrible. And he's got that implant, which I know is not a problem in the Premier League, but it, it means that he can't play in the Serie A. And I, and I wonder, I mean, we don't even know if Christian wants to, Christian Eriksen wants to continue yeah, playing. Yeah, true, true. You know, and, and that, that's just, you know, what, who can blame him? I mean, it's mm-hmm. his life. You know, when that happens to you, you need some time away and you need to, you need to talk with your family. You've got to mm-hmm. make up a decision, whatever decision that is. I, I, I don't see Christian Eriksen having a future in Italian football because of the fact that the Italian Olympic Committee won't give him that idoneita they call it it's basically a clean bill of health it's a it's a paper that you need that to be able to to practice your 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 trade as an elite athlete in italy and and they won't give it to him um with that implant and he there's no way he's going to take that out and he shouldn't i mean after i mean what why would you risk Mm-hmm. anything so i think that situation will be resolved that way and, I know, and i'm pretty sure that inter won't stand in his way whatever christian erickson wants to do inter will allow him to do i just don't see him going to spurs when Conte's there i just don't see that because he made it work um i'd be very surprised if he went after him i still think that frank Kessier, uh, is the number one target he wants and, and dusan vlaovic i think vlaovic is a player who i think will be will be seeing a link to you guys as well mm-hmm. um uh, pretty not not in January maybe May in June. So we've already been linked to him, and we were also in for Kessi last summer. So um, there's mm. there's there's a lot going on there already. Oh. Oh, there you go. There, there is an elephant in the room, um, a player we haven't discussed, um, and based upon what you just said, I'm not 100 percent sure there's a there's a neat fit, but he's one of our best players, and that's Tongi Ndombele, who we absolutely adore and has been one of our key players this season. Do you see any way that he can fit into this team? Or that Conte can kind of get hold of him and mould him to be what he wants him to be. Absolutely, and Dombele was being linked to Inter when, when yeah. Conte was there. Yeah. So he uh, <laughs> that is not a problem. I mean, if anything, God, I just you know the very idea of Deli Ali and Dombele and Frank Kessier in a midfield trio with with Conte, the intensity and pressing, and you got Harry Kane and Son running up. I mean, Jesus. Like they will be chasing the life out of every midfield in in the Premier League. Like they, that is that's 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 like a Frankenstein monster midfield for Conte. <laughs> I mean, the intensity and pressing and movement there. Well, there you got it. You got it. You got it. You got all of that there. You couldn't. That's like the most Conte midfield I've ever heard in my life. That's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. He's made. <laughs> I think um, what what Nima doesn't know is earlier today I was getting quite upset with Windy because this is. This Conte link has been like Christmas for me. I'm so happy. And Wendy's been very down about it. And I was just like... Not no, down, just just not high. Just not just high. N- but no, yeah. you should be high. You should be you're getting 
everything you wanted, of course, but I understand he's not packaged up in a Graham Potter little neat box and a bow that you like your football managers to be. But um, I'm I'm so happy we've had this conversation because I can see Windy's face changing. I can see him (laughs) joining us on board the Conte train. I can see it now. (laughs) I I have to say the biggest, I mean, Spurs getting Conte, look, with all due respect, you guys haven't exactly, your trophy cabinet isn't bursting with silverware. Like, let's be honest, all right? This guy's a winner, okay? He's a winner. He is a serial winner. Five league titles in seven years. Uh, you know, he 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 gets the job done. And and I think I think Manchester United. Uh, I, I I don't think he will go there uh, now. I, I again I'm I'm waiting to see what they because I I can't believe that 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 they that either one of them are just going to go in here for 18 months without an option for us for another. I just can't believe that. It's just it makes no sense. It, it, once it's been official that it is that it's two and a half years or or you know twenty four months or whatever it is sorry uh, thirty months uh, to then 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 okay that makes sense because I think that first of all you 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 could even matter you could seriously talk about I mean you're going to win the conference league undoubtedly uh, with with Conte there's no doubt about that um, you could even finish in the top four. Absolutely, yeah, I absolutely. Think so. I think so. It's there uh, for the taking. The thing is, um, we we've long been of the opinion that we have some, some good players who are being underutilized. We have so much untapped potential in our squad, and and from everything you've said, I feel more and more confident that he he's the kind of guy that can untap some of that potential. It's someone we haven't even mentioned, Sessignon, who is a, a player who's completely lost his way, but he's got so much ability. And when you were started talking about, you know, the the wing-backs being hauled, taken yeah. off on kind of 68 minutes because they're so exhausted. Sessignon's going to get an opportunity because he'll have to. Yeah. We, haven't, we haven't got another wing-back. And he's good at arriving far post as well, which is which is a good match, I think. So there's been talk recently, there's been whispers about like Sessignon sort of demonstrating a, a lack of confidence in training. And I think that if, if Conte can light a fire under him, he could be a really good... And I think yes. coming on, playing 15, 20 minutes on a regular basis could be a really, really good thing for him as well. Yeah, no, I, I think for sure. Um, I, I mean, it could even end up. It could even end up being a situation where, you know, Harry Kane decides to. Well, hang on a minute. We're Conte's here. We're, we're challenging for titles. We're winning titles, and we're, you know, why, why should I leave? You know, pretty that that could also happen. Um, but yeah, no, this, this this guy will this guy will guarantee. I mean, to be honest with you, I wouldn't put it past him if he if he stayed like a full preseason, a full you know transfer window where he can have a full preseason going into next season. Tottenham can win the Premier League with this guy. Like oh this God. is what he this is what he does. You may not have the best team, but it doesn't matter. He won't lose. He won't lose games, and he will just go on these runs where he just wins ten games in a row. Even though you know you. you Players overperforming almost. He's done that before. I mean, his track record, you know, again, you know, Padoin has three Serie A titles for crying out loud. Giaccherini. I mean, these are players that are like, we're talking barely Serie A level, but he, he they gave the man what he wanted and they were functional in the system. That's what matters. Are you functional or not in the system? And do you, do you, can you deliver what he, what he wants you to do? And if you do, then you then it's then then it's going to look like night and day and you'll be wondering how how could anyone ever lose you know with this with the same group of players how did they how did they ever lose anything like you become like this it's like what's going on here now he is he is he is unique he is absolutely unique but it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be painful it's going to be lots of arguing 
and there's going to be lots of fighting. And I hope for your sake that that, that, that that's not going to happen because it, when it when it's like that, it's not nice to be around. It's it's actually pretty miserable to be around. But if if Levi if Levi can if they can find a balance and they can give him those two three players he wants to keep him calm and they do and they finish that quickly you know, get those deals over the line quickly, then Conte will give, because then he's got nothing to complain or whinge about or, or to blame anyone about. Then then he'll just go into that, you know, um, that, that almost like manic work mode where he's, you know, just stand back, you know, just let the man do his job. And because he's incredibly demanding, not just of the players, but also of everyone around. And that's why I think you've got to, this is good that he's got Paratici there. Because Paratici knows. He, he's been there also for a long time. So they both know the, so he knows the environment. So it'll be an easier fix for, you know, Conte will just tell him, this is what I want. Get me that. Mm-hmm. And he knows what he's referring to. They speak the same language, so to speak. And, you know, both figuratively and literally. So I think that's, that's a big, that's a big, big, big help. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, if you give him the players he wants, and you give him what he wants, then he doesn't, then he can't complain. And then he'll just give his everything he's got. And, and you know, congratulations, because you're never going to see a Tottenham side that goes out there and doesn't give 100%. That I can guarantee. There was, um, Sorry, buddy, go on. No, I was just going to say, we, and just something that Nima mentioned earlier, that I didn't realise Gabriele Oriali was his uh, his assistant. And that, that just brings that brings me personally nice warm feelings because Oriali's obviously a legend of the 82 World Cup winning team, mm. played for Inter and Fiorentina, which is my dad's team. So I I found that really nice that he's there with Oriali, who's a nice old guy, and he'll he'll smooth over everything. No, he's not a nice old guy. <laughs> Oriali is a vicious bastard. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, I love that Lil Oriali is an Inter legend, but he and Conte love each other because they are such professionals. And he works for the Italian national team as well, and they extended with him. Mancini loves him as well. But he is, he's like, you know, hes with Conte and him, it's bad cop and worse cop. <laughs> it was me projecting that he'd be a nice old guy, but okay, no, crazy. No, no, no. He is often, but when he when he comes to working, he mm. he you know he's going to bring Pintus, his you know the guy who's at Real Madrid. That's the first guy that's going to come, the fitness coach, which he absolutely loves. He's going to bring that guy with him, and then he's going to bring Oriali probably with him as well, because he you know Oriali you know it will be allowed because he works for the Italian national team, but he will you know if if Conte's going there, he will want him there. He wants his backroom staff there. I wonder if he'll bring Stellini again, uh, you know, his assistant coach, all these guys. He's got his backroom staff already assembled. Um, and when he comes, he will demand that every single one of them come with him and then they will get to work. Um, and during the international break, I mean, it's, it's such an intelligent thing to do uh, to bring him, you know, let him ease into it and give him two weeks to work. And then and then see where it goes. Um, so you just mentioned his his fitness coach, and that segues nicely to another question I wanted to ask you, which is about um, managing minutes. So you've you've already hinted that he struggles playing more than one game a week because he likes to focus on on that one game so intensely. Um, we have Harry Kane as a prime example, a player that whose minutes need very careful management. Um, we also have this um, Europa Conference League competition, which we're trying to manage. And the way Nuno was doing that was by making mass changes for the midweek fixture. How's Conte going to handle rotation? I don't. I honestly think he'll do. He'll, when it comes to the Conference League, until you get to the latter stages, I don't think he will focus. He'll rotate quite a bit. Um, maybe in the beginning he won't because he wants to put his stamp down, but moving on, 
I don't, I, I, you know, for him, the, it's the Champions League. He has to get them back into the Champions League. It's as simple as that. That's why he's there. Um, so that, that'll be his number one priority. Everything else will be, you know, in, in, in terms of priorities, be down, you know, be below that. But um, no, I, 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 I have no, no concern over this man not being able to, because of the fact that his training regime is so specific and so spe- precise and he works, he works them a lot. But he works them in the right way. It's not just, you know, it's not this old fashioned, you know, 1970s, you know, just go out and run up and down until you can't run anymore. No, no, no. He's very, he's, it's very scientific. It's all very carefully planned out. He works them intensely. Yes, but he does it intelligently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unless you have a player who's made of glass, like Stefano Sensi is, who will just struggle, then, then you won't, which I don't think you have, then, then that's, f- then you'll be fine. Pintus, I mean, under Inter, that, I mean, the, 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 the COVID season where there, you know, this was barely any break for any of them. Inter barely had any injuries because of the fact that Pintus had, you know, and Inconte had trained them properly and, and, and knew how to use them and rehabilitate them between matches so that they didn't get overworked. Um, so, no, it's, it was, um, I, I'm, I'm not too worried about that at all. If there's anything he knows, it's that. It has been such a pleasure, Nima. Thank you so much for your uh, for your expertise, for your time. We really appreciate it. You've got me so excited, like you wouldn't believe, <laughs> about this appointment now. Um, I'm just intrigued to see how it's going to pan out. It's going to be a journey anyway. Um, really appreciate it. Where can people follow you? Where can people follow your stuff? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter, at Nima, T-A-V-R-O-O-D. And if you want to follow us on the Italian Football Podcast, it's just like you guys. We're on Patreon too, uh, patreon.com slash T-I-F-P. Uh, and sempreinter.com for internews. Wonderful. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D. Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. 
Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 